Welcome to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you're here. For more information, you can visit hallelujah.org or download the AOI app on Apple or Google Play. Sabbath, everyone, I was sort of hoping Michelle would stay up here and back me up. <laughs> well, we, uh, we were very blessed to be able to be here today. We, um, we moved to Georgia since you saw us last, and we live in an area where there is no assembly, there's no congregation, we don't have any family down there. We're trying to make a few friends, but it's a slow process. So we have uh, been blessed, especially since this assembly has started to stream services live through the app every Sabbath, because we've been able to join with you many Sabbaths, uh, and when we can't, we're able to watch a recording of the service, which has been a continual blessing for us, so we feel a little bit like remote members of the congregation as it is. Um, I should introduce myself. I'm Solomon Meyer. For those of you who don't know me, I have a lot of friends uh, in this room, but there's a lot of new faces too, which praise Yahweh for that. I, um, I was a little worried with the assignment to speak today. I was blessed uh, for the opportunity, but I fret about these things. And I was, Michelle said that she'll tell me if I do a bad job. And it, it reminded me of a story of a pastor who was helping his wife fix some things up at the house. And they come across a locked box and he had never seen it before. So he asked his wife, what's, what's in the box? And she looked a little sheepish and she opened it up. And there were three eggs in there and a roll of $1 bills that he counted out and there were a hundred of them. He looked at his wife and he said, what are the, what is this? What, are this, what is this for? And she looked really embarrassed and she said, well, the first time you gave a sermon that didn't go well, when we got home, you said, I really laid an egg today. So she said, I started this thing where when you would give a bad sermon, I would take an egg and put it in this box. And he said, well, that's not bad. There's only three eggs in here and I've been a pastor for many years. So that's not too bad. He said, but what's the hundred dollars for? And she said, well, every time I had a dozen, I sold them to the neighbor for a dollar. <laughs> I think before we get into the word, let's take a moment and come before our Heavenly Father in prayer. You'll have to forgive me today. I, I like many, many of us who speak, like to have our little comfort zone. And I have a Bible that I always use when I'm speaking. And um, I left it at home. <laughs> I switched it. I switched it out of my bag and didn't have it, so I had to borrow a scripture. So I might be jumping back and forth between the iPad and the scripture, and I may stumble a little bit today, but if you'll be patient with me, I'll, I'll try to be coherent. Heavenly Father Yahweh, we are so thankful as we feel the presence of your spirit here with us today. We want to praise you, Father. We want to honor you and thank you for the way that you have brought us together you have given us a knowledge of you. and You've offered yourself to us through your son, our savior, Yahshua, the Messiah. Father, we live in times that cause us to understand that the words that we read in scripture are true, that in the last days, there will be times of darkness. There will be trouble. And Father, we find ourselves in circumstances that speak to those times. But Father, we're not afraid because we know that you are with us and that as a loving shepherd, you walk along us, 
You guide us, you direct us, you protect us. We just ask, Father, today that as we open the word, that you will bring to us the things that you want us to understand. May the words that we speak be yours, and may the lessons that we learn be the very thing that you know that we need to have. We praise you and honor you in Yeshua's name, and we say hallelujah. Amen. Like I said, I will fumble a little bit here because uh, I'm used to my comfort zone. But if you'll be patient with me, this will work. I think I'm going to just stay with the iPad maybe and flip back and forth. But today is not only the weekly Sabbath that is commanded for us to honor Yahweh, but it is also one of his, his seven annual holy days. It's a significant day. You think of that, only seven days in the spiritual calendar are set aside as high Sabbaths, days that are to be especially reverenced and acknowledged. And this is one of those days. In Leviticus chapter 23, we find a commandment that brings us to that understanding. It is in the list of the commanded holy days we find in Leviticus chapter 23 and verse 24. Speak to the children of Israel and say to them in the seventh month, On the first day of the month shall you have a Sabbath, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. And you shall do no servile work therein, but it shall be a day of offering of sacrifices of fire to Almighty Yahweh. A significant day, a day of the blowing of trumpets. The Feast of Trumpets is significant because it marks the beginning of the seventh scriptural month. It's the time when the the preponderance, the bulk of Yahweh's feast days are in this month. It's a significant month. And this day was the announcement of that month. The acknowledgement of the feast day was the acknowledgement of the new moon that began that month. In Numbers chapter 10, we find a commandment also for the children of Israel, and it related to the the making of the silver trumpets. And I want to start here because I want to Help us to understand the significance of the trumpets. In Leviticus chapter 10, sorry, Numbers chapter 10, we see that Moses was told to have the children of Israel make these trumpets. And the trumpets were made for a purpose. We see here that that purpose was that, in verse 2, you may use them for the calling of the assembly and for the journeying of the camps. So the calling of the assembly and the journeying of the camps. So time to gather the people and then also to direct them to move forward. As I said, and I think so many of us understand, we're in a time that we see that things are not as they always have been. There is a rise of darkness in this world. There's a time of evil that seems to be upon us. Paul wrote this to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He said, know this, that in the last days there shall be troubled times that come upon you. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unfaithful and unholy, without natural love, breaking agreements, false accusers, unable to control themselves, fierce and despisers 
of those that are good. That's a very chilling line at the end of that sentence. Despisers of those that are good. Friends, if we read the scriptures, if we read the prophecies of Yahshua the Messiah, we should not be surprised that we are facing times as this. It's a common theme in scripture that as we go further in time, as we approach the end of the age of man, that things will indeed get worse. It'll be a time of evil. It'll be a time of trouble. And we're seeing that around us. And more than just seeing it with our eyes, we feel it with our souls. We have known that this would be the case. And yet it has been a good life for us. And it continues to be a time in which we cannot allow what is coming to change our path before Yahweh has called us and prepared us according to his purpose. In Isaiah chapter 60, again, another prophecy of, of these very times, we find the following words. Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 1. The prophet says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the honor of Yahweh is risen upon you. And I want each one of you to really take that thought and just dwell on that for just a moment. Yahweh has called us and prepared us for this time. He has asked of us to step forward in faith, to accept the salvation that he offers through his son, our savior, Yahshua, the Messiah. And his purpose is described here as his light coming upon us. That light becomes significant. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. But Yahweh will arise upon you, and in his honor shall be seen upon you. And the nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Why will they come to us? Are they coming to us? Do they see our light? Or do they see, as the passage points out, the light of Yahweh upon us. I will affirmatively say clearly it is the second. The light that we show to this world is the light of Yahweh that shines upon us. For he has called his people and he has given them the blessing of understanding and salvation. The Messiah himself in Matthew chapter 5 spoke these words in the Sermon on the Mount and virtually at the beginning of his ministry. These are some of the first thoughts he wanted his disciples to understand. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid, and neither do men light that light and put it under a basket, but they lift it on a candlestick, and it gives light to all of those that are in the home. So therefore, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and honor your father, which is in heaven. I think Messiah Yahshua at this point is bringing that thought together from Isaiah chapter 60 and making sure that the disciples understood that when we have light within us, when we are the children of light, we shine in darkness. The world sees it. They're drawn to that. They will learn from us. But that is all to accomplish bringing the honor to Almighty Yahweh, which should be our goal as well. The real core of what I would like to bring 
to you this morning is found in the letter that Paul wrote to the assembly in Thessalonica. We have it in our scriptures as the first letter to the Thessalonians. At the beginning here in the first chapter, I just want to read a few verses from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul writes this. He says, we give thanks to Yahweh always for each one of you and make mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your works of faith, your labor of love and the patience of hope that you have in our master, Yahshua, the Messiah, in the sight of our Elohim and father. We know, beloved brothers, the election of Yahweh. For our good news came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the master Yahshua, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. So Paul acknowledges here that the Thessalonian assembly received the witness of the good news message that they brought into their hearts the hope of resurrection and salvation through Yahshua the Messiah and that it had a life-changing effect on them so that their actions were seen among men and that this had reaffirmed that area in what we now know as Greece, and that the believers had grown and come together in a larger assembly because of their faithfulness. This verse, next verse, is the one that I really want you to, to seize on. For from you, so from these faithful believers, sounded out the word of the sovereign. So from you faithful believers, sounded out the word of our sovereign and our king. Friends, what he's telling them is that their life of conviction, their, their converted behavior, their faithfulness, their trust in almighty Yahweh was not passively just a glowing ember in the side of the situation, but that they sounded out. Maybe in our English translation that loses something but that's a trumpet blast. What he's saying is that your lives were as a trumpet blast going out into your community, into your nation. And because of the things that you're doing in your life, you're giving an example and you're shining Yahweh's light and people are coming to that. A very fulfillment of that prophecy that we read in Isaiah chapter 60, a very, very enactment of what Yahshua the Messiah spoke to the disciples that the light should never be hidden but that it must shine forth within the house. And in this case, within the community, within the nation. To finish reading here in verse eight, he says, but also in every place, your faith towards Yahweh is broadcast so that we no longer need to speak anything. For they, the people that you're interacting with, the people that you're influencing, for they themselves show us what manner of entering in that we had with you, how each one of you turned to Yahweh from the idols and to serve the living and true Elohim. 
and that you wait for his son to return from heaven. The very one that he raised from the dead, even Yahshua, who has delivered us from the wrath to come. Friends, that's, that's an inspiring acknowledgement of the power of conversion in the life of someone who becomes a believer in Yahshua the Messiah. Do you allow the thought to dwell within you continually that the salvation that you have been shown, the mercy and the grace that Yahweh has bestowed upon you, the, the loving kindness that washes over you when you come to an understanding that as a fallen sinner, you had no hope of existing beyond your mortal time, and yet Yahweh through his son has given you an opportunity of eternal life. And it's so easy for us to step into that, to glory in that, to love that, to appreciate it, and to forget that Yahweh has a purpose then for you beyond your own salvation. But he wants each one of us then to take what we have been given and to share it, to spread it, to broadcast it, and quite frankly, to blast it out as a trumpet so that the rest of the world can hear that same message, have that same opportunity, and rejoice themselves in the salvation that Yahweh offers through Yahshua the Messiah. That, to me, is so precious, so valuable, and extremely humbling when we realize that we play a part in Yahweh's plan of salvation for this world. It's amazing when we consider that. You see, in Matthew chapter 24, the Messiah spoke of how in the end days when he would return, that there would be a time of blowing of trumpets at that time. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 30, we read that there shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth be sad. For they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great majesty. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together the elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. You see, when Joshua ascended to heaven, he left a encouragement and a commandment with the disciples that were there with him, the apostles that gathered. He told them, you are the witnesses. You are the witnesses, first in Jerusalem and then in all of Israel, and then to every nation. That was their marching order. That was their commission. It wasn't the, the function of some sort of organized ministry, but it was an, an organic movement that came simply from those who lived a life of conversion and showed that to those that they encountered day by day. We've, we've dwelt upon that in our generations. We are light and salt. We show that light to the world. We season this world by being different so that we can affect those around us. In Matthew chapter 6, it's interesting. This is also from the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 6, the Messiah told us that it wasn't simply that we were to come at giving a witness out and be able to show his truth to the world in a, in a disorganized manner that we could not develop as the 
the saying is today, our own truth, that we weren't able to adapt and, and recreate the good news message. But in Matthew chapter 6 and in verse 22, what he speaks to the disciples here is that the light of the body is the eye. Therefore, shall your eye be single. Now, this word is rendered in this translation as single. I've seen it rendered as one or unified, or I've, I have seen it rendered consistent. Your light must be consistent. It must be something that's founded on the words of Scripture. Your life, your light, the example that you show to others must be something that is substantial, that it's founded on truth, and that it is singing from the same page, so to speak, as those with whom you walk. Our light must be strong. It must be consistent. But what really troubles me is what he said in the very next words. If therefore the light that is in you be darkness, how great is that darkness? Friends, when we walk on this walk, and we are the example to those in the communities in which we live, when we shout out, when we broadcast out, when we blast out the example of what a life of conversion can look like, and then that light becomes darkness, that message becomes evil, that also is a great darkness because now the mechanism is there. People are watching. They're looking at you. It elevates the responsibility that we have to be faithful to what Yahweh has shown us as truth. In John chapter 17, Yahshua is praying to our father. This, this prayer is reckoned to be the one that was in the garden the night that he was betrayed. You can imagine the pain that we know he was going through praying this prayer. We know that he was perspiring blood. He had so much tension and weight upon him when he spoke these words. These are not casual or light words. John chapter 17 and verse 14. I gave them your words and the world hated them because they, that's us, are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou would take them out of this world, but that you would keep them from the evil. In verse 17, a well-known passage, sanctify them in your truth because your word is truth. We have to anchor our lives to the truth of Scripture. We have to stand on those values. Paul wrote to the letter in the Corinthians in the third chapter of the first letter that the things that we build in our life are going to be proven by fire. And what burns away was never meant to be, and what's left is the precious stone. Friends, I think all of you would agree that the precious stone that we stand on, the very foundation of our faith and practice, is the word of Almighty Yahweh. It is truly, as the Messiah said here, our sanctification. So what message are we shouting out? What light are we bringing into this world? Are we aware 
of what Yahweh is accomplishing in this time. I'm going to tell you that I have for many years believed that we're coming into an age that I call the age of distilling or separating. There's going to be a process through which Yahweh's people and the people of this earth are refined. There's going to be times of trouble. There's going to be times of conflict. There's going to be times of evil that come upon us. And through that process, we will find ourselves unable to stand in the middle. I remember my mother saying quite frequently as I was growing up, you can't sit on the fence. The only thing you get from sitting on the fence, you guys know the rest of it, is a sore behind. We will be unable to sit on the fence. We will be unable to equivocate. We choose Yahweh or we choose to turn away from him. We choose light or we choose darkness. We choose righteousness or we choose evil. When we stand before judgment, we want it, do we not, to be very clear to our judge, Yahshua the Messiah, that we chose him. We chose light. We chose righteousness. We chose to do good. We chose to have a consistent light. We chose to have a positive message that drew people closer to Almighty Yahweh. I marvel at how in the time of my life, I've been on this walk. I was blessed to have been raised in the faith. And I, I remember growing up and I was simply years removed from the period where believers in the 1960s, the 1950s more so, but even in the 60s, believers in the 1960s were traveling around a lot because they were single families. They were people who had to go find, oh, we hear there's a group of, of maybe four families over here. It's a thousand miles away, but we, we want to go and be with them. We want to go see them. Now we have large assemblies. We have congregations established regionally all over the United States of America and indeed around the world. But for whatever reason, Yahweh is working in my life. He has taken me and put me in an area where I have to travel hundreds of miles to come and see friends, to see family, to join with believers in person. And in a way, I feel as though it's bringing me back to remembering and understanding what the early generations went through in this walk, how they felt alone and isolated, cut off from others. And yet when they came into the company of an assembly or another group of families, they felt at home. That's the family of Yahweh. That's the people of Yahweh. There's a purpose for which we have been called forth. And that purpose is to give a witness in this world. It is to shout out the truth of scripture, to be able to deliver that message to a dark world. Because as the darkness grows, so does the impact of just the smallest amount of light. When we consider ourselves to be the trumpet of Yahweh in these last days, warning the world, it's good for us to be reminded of the watchman passage in Ezekiel chapter 33, because Ezekiel spoke directly of the role of a watchman. And I don't think that maybe each one of us 
would ever want to have that specific responsibility. But there are those, as, as the prophet Amos says in Amos chapter 3 and verse 7, he says that Yahweh will do nothing until he reveals it to his servants, the prophets. You see, we're, we're coming into a time where we may not know what to expect. We don't know how things are going to unfold. We don't know how things are going to go, but we do know how it ends. But yet it's in our human nature to be afraid a little bit, is it not? We don't know what to expect. We have a promise from the creator of this world that he will not leave us without warning. He will send warning through his servants, the prophets. In Ezekiel chapter 33 and verse 2, the prophet is instructed, say to the children of my people, when I bring the sword upon the land, if the people of the land take a man from within them and set him to be their watchman, if when he sees the trouble coming, he blows the trumpet and warns the people, then whoever hears that warning and doesn't take heed, if that sword or that trouble comes upon them and takes them away, their blood shall be upon their own head. And then conversely, if they do not sound the warning, then the blood of the people is upon them, the watchman, the trumpet blower. I don't want the blood of any person to ever be on my hands. I want to make sure that the words that I speak and the life that I live is a positive message that draws people to Almighty Yahweh. I know that each one of you does as well. But let us remember that purpose in our life, that we must always bring these things before Almighty Yahweh and dedicate ourselves to his purpose. Yahweh will warn his people before the great and terrible day. In Joel chapter 2, we find here in the, this minor prophet, which I'll probably struggle to find because I, you have a feel for your own scriptures. And this Bible is not good, but hey, look at that. It's still right ahead of Amos. Joel chapter 2. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm in the holy mountain, let the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of Yahweh comes. Indeed, it is close to hand. Joshua the Messiah himself, when he began his ministry, it describes for us in Matthew chapter 4 the very beginning message that he says, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17, it says, from that time, this is the very beginning of Joshua's ministry, from that time, Joshua began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was 2,000 years ago. No man knows the day or the hour. I will say that it's incredibly important for us to never become complacent because we think it could be another 2,000 years, nor is it wise for us to be in a continual panic because we see what is unfolding around us. Someone asked me about this recently. They said some of the things we're seeing are troubling. Is this the end of the age? And I said, you know, my great-grandfather and his son, my grandfather, sold their farm, I believe in 1942, because seeing the actions of Hitler in Europe, seeing that the United States had been drawn into the war with Japan, hearing whispers of the atrocities that were happening under the heel of Mussolini in Italy, 
They sold their farm. They got out of debt. They changed their life because they thought it was the end of the age. And that was more than 70 years ago. That war ended. Peace was restored. Prosperity came into America. And once again, we became complacent. Are we prepared to see times as bad as World War II? And will we believe now it's the end of the age? Or will we be able to say, this has happened before, but let's be prepared. Joshua left his disciples with that message. He told them, you remember, watch, feed my sheep, keep your eyes open, and be witnesses in this world of him and of his truth. I was so thankful that we read the passages that we did this morning from Revelation chapter 9 and 10, chapter 8 through 10, is the account of the seven trumpets that blast at the end of the age. And all of those prophecies will be fulfilled. We'll hear those trumpets. We'll hear those shouts and cries. We'll see the angels gather the elect. I promise you, it's true. But Yahweh prepares his people. And he's asked of us to be a trumpet in our time. I think it is good for us to be encouraged, to be reminded continuously of what it is that we long to see. I don't long to see my life in this world be a fulfillment of anything that I desire. What I long to see is an eternal life. Just as John described in the 21st chapter of his revelation, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down from Yahweh out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And then I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the dwelling of Yahweh is with men. Imagine that the dwelling of Yahweh is with men. We will be able to come into the presence of our creator for eternity. The dwelling of Yahweh is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and Yahweh himself shall be with them and be their Elohim. He shall wipe away all tears. <clears throat> shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death or sorrow, or crying, and neither shall there be any more pain. The former things have passed away. That's worth living for. That's worth letting your light shine. And that's worth being Yahweh's trumpet in these days. May Yahweh bless you all.